What if there was a different way to live and work beyond the hustle and hype, beyond the never ending race to get more, do more, be more, a way that's nourishing, grounded, creative, and aligned with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Alchemy in Action with me, your host, Amanda Cook. In each episode, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. Join me to create a life and work that truly fit you, infused with meaning and magic. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. I'm all caught up with my podcasting. I'm settled here in Hong Kong. I'm in my regular work routine with my little, my new desk in our teensy apartment where I can look out and see a, just a thumbs width of Hong Kong Harbor, which is pretty cool. So I'm actually just recording this right before it's going to go live, which is cool. So I thought I'd give you a little bit of an update. I think we always underestimate how long it takes to really settle back down into a routine. And every time I move countries, which I've done a few times now, I've lived in the U.S. and in France and in the U.K., and every time I think, well, I'm going to give myself a little bit more of a buffer. And, and I thought I did that this time, but still it took just till about, you know, last week, which is about having been here for about five weeks, that I finally felt like I could really get my head back into my work. So of course I was working. I was keeping things moving forward. We had the awesome marketing boot camp launch. So welcome to all those new members. That's all been great. But really what I find I need to be in a routine for is that strategic work, that stuff where you're really thinking about how to move your business forward. I've got to be like calm and settled and in a routine to do that. So to all of you location independent wellpreneurs out there, or if you're dreaming about that, I'd love to know how you do it. Because in my experience, yes, I can keep my businesses running while I'm traveling, but I can't necessarily do like the strategic work and the, the work that's really moving things forward. It's more like I just kind of keep it ticking over. I can keep up with work. I can see my clients. I can stay on top of emails, just keep all of that stuff happening, keep the podcast going. But in terms of really moving forward, I've got to be settled in a place for a while. And finally, I'm here again, which is so awesome. So I have to tell you, I am absolutely loving Hong Kong. Like, just absolutely loving it. If you've never been to Hong Kong to visit, I highly, highly recommend it. It is, especially if you've never been to Asia, it is such an easy place to get started with Asia because almost everybody speaks English, which is awesome. And things work kind of like you would expect them to work in the Western world. It's a totally modern city. Like it's just, you can get everything. You can actually buy any kind of food that you want, anything that you've wanted at home. You're gonna have to pay a premium for it if it's a Western brand, but it's here and that's really comforting. The other thing is I've found it so easy to meet people here in Hong Kong. It's absolutely incredible. I have met like more people in the past six weeks than I probably ever did in London in seven years. Like it's really amazing how friendly everyone is and more than just being friendly, willing to help you out and willing to introduce you to people. So I've got some really exciting interviews coming up in the next couple of months because I'm doing a series where I'm focusing on the wellness entrepreneurs here in Asia and I'm meeting some really awesome people. The other thing I'm totally loving is the food. Oh man, it is so good. So there's a big market and there's markets all over the place and the markets have so many greens. So there's this market right near our house. There's so many kinds of greens that I've never seen before. So I really want to try to find some sort of like 
dictionary where I can look up maybe a botanical reference where I can look up Asian vegetables and then figure out what they are and figure out how to cook them because they really look incredible and so fresh. Just heaps and heaps of all these different types of green leaves and herbal looking things. And oh my gosh, don't even get me started on the tropical fruit. Like I didn't even really eat much fruit except berries in London. And oh, wow, (laughs) like I had a mango and it was the sweetest mango, just so sweet and delicious and really inexpensive. So anyway, am I selling Hong Kong enough? You should totally come to Hong Kong. Plus the wellness scene is booming here. There's juice shops opening and a couple little raw food restaurants and little healthy places to go. And oh my gosh. And then aside from that, the noodle soups are incredible. They, they have a big Cantonese cuisine apparently is quite big on soups and especially on broths. And so they do a lot of like noodles and broth. Oh man, it's so good. Like I, we go to this one place and they actually just hand make the noodles. They just take a little lump of dough and start pulling them out with their fingers and get these gorgeous long noodles. I don't know how they do it. And then just drop it in the stock and 30 seconds later, it's done. I mean, they're really, you know, and that's stuff like I didn't even really eat that in London, but when in Rome, you know, so I'm definitely kind of eating everything with abandon and so far so good. And it's incredibly delicious. Anyway, I just wanted to give you a little taste. If you want to get some pictures and and really see what's going on, definitely follow me on Instagram. It's at Wellpreneur. I'm also, as you may know, I've got a second website, which is called vintageamanda.com, where I write about natural health and beauty. And I'm really getting into that while I'm here and hoping to do quite a few posts over there talking about the herbs and the traditional medicine and the remedies and the beauty products that our great grandmothers would have used here. So yeah, stay tuned for that if you're interested in that. Anyway, today I've got a fantastic interview for you. I'm speaking with Elizabeth Duvivier, who is the founder of Squam Art Workshops. If you're not familiar with Squam, they're absolutely wonderful. I'm saying absolutely all the time today, aren't I? But they are absolutely wonderful retreats. I think I've gone on four different Squam retreats so far, and it's a combination of creativity and craftiness with well-being and relaxing and being in a great location and community, and they're really, really lovely. So I was really inspired. I've known Elizabeth now for a few years, ever since I went to the first Squam retreat that I went to, which was in Italy at the time. And Elizabeth has always really inspired me just with her her joy and her glow and her optimism and her ability to really connect with people and bring people into this community, even if it's their first time visiting a Squam retreat. So today with Elizabeth, we're talking about not only how she started Squam and how she creates the sense of community, But I think more importantly, we're talking about this idea of having a vision for your life and not being able to have it all right away, but slowly taking actions to step into that and create the life that you really dream about. And I think that's what's important for all of us to take away is that you're not just going to snap your fingers and suddenly have this dream life that you've been hoping for, but instead we need to actually create it. And we can do that now, no matter where we're starting from, by just taking small steps every day. So enjoy this interview with myself and Elizabeth Tivier of Squam. Hi, Elizabeth. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Hey, Amanda, this is so fun. Oh, I am really excited to have you on because as you know, I'm a total squam groupie. 
<laughs> so I just absolutely love the creativity retreats that you run. And I'm thrilled to bring you to my audience and just share your journey and your experience as a business owner with everyone. Sure. Because that's a funny title, business owner. <laughs> it, do you, I don't, I didn't actually, well, no, it's, I, I, I can't deny it, but it's not, I didn't go in with that mindset. So it's kind of funny how you have to eventually sort of wake up and go, Hey, I'm, I'm running a business and what all is involved in that. So was that not your intention to start a business? No, not at all. I was teaching at the New Hampshire Institute of Art and I was blogging. Blogging had saved my life. This is back in the day, early 2000s, where bloggers and blogging was the thing. And so I had gone out to Art Fest, came back super beyond inspired, wanted to do it. And so when I did it, I really thought it was a one-time thing, especially when I finished it because I thought I was going to be dead. It took me 10 months. And when it was all over, I was vaporized for like two months. It just was took everything in me to put that on. 135 people came for five days. So I just never thought I would do it again. But what happened was people had a really amazing time and they blogged about it and it kind of created its own momentum. And then I was doing it again. And then I was doing it in the spring, which I think is the one you and your mom came to first. Is that true? Mm -hmm. Well, the first one I came to was in Italy, actually. Oh, my gosh. That was your first one? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. Because I feel like you've been you and your mom have been coming forever. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, you know, I'm from everyone listening knows I'm from New Hampshire. And I was always thinking, oh, I really want to go. But it seems so silly to fly from London all the way back to New Hampshire exactly. to go to a retreat, you know, so I put it off, put it off. And then you had one in Italy. And I thought, there we go. And so I went. Yeah. It was awesome. And then that I started going, wild. yeah, going back to that New Hampshire. Wild. That one, oh my God, talk about one that killed me. Oh my God. So anyway, but so, it, you know, I have to be so honest for anyone listening. Every single year I say it's my last year. And I realized in the last 10 days or so, I did this whole thing for Valentine. So I was digging through boxes of letters and stuff. And I realized that 2017 marks 10 years, which I did the math like five times. I was like, that can't be right. That can't be right. But it'll be 10 years. And every year I'm like, this is it. This is the last time I'm doing it. I can't do it again. But I have a feeling I'll try and make it for 10. <laughs> so the reason I share all that is that it stayed very fresh. And I kept kind of exploring and following its prompts. And I made, you know, I tried all sorts of things. And some things would really take. And then other things wouldn't take. And so there was no manual or user's guide. I was really bushwhacking. And it's just been a discovery. I, it's really hard to explain, but about in the second year, I stopped teaching because I couldn't do both. I couldn't do both at all. And I just started doing Squam full time. And that's when there was no hiding from the fact that I was a business owner and this was a business and I needed to start working on that. I would say, and you and I have talked about this, Amanda, because you are so amazingly talented on the marketing side of things. I have a lot of skills and I have a lot of abilities that have helped Squam over the years. The one place I have a pretty significant gap is on the marketing sales side of things. And it hasn't been a real issue for me because word of mouth has been good, but no one blogs anymore. So it's really interesting. That's going to be my next growth curve is to sort of see how I can share the existence of Squam. And sorry if my voice sounds really funny. I have a little bit of a chest cold today to share Squam in a way that feels authentic to me without, and you know this, because I've, I've said this before, like I would 
actually talk someone out of Squam before if they're coming for the wrong reasons, you know? So I don't, it's very hard for me to sell it to someone because I kind of feel like either it speaks to you or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, you really don't want to come. It's not, it's, you won't have a good time. So it's kind of a tricky dance to promote. And yet as I promote, be like, only if it calls to you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I think I think one thing that you've done so brilliantly is that you've built this community. And I think for the people that Squam resonates with, you know, that are into creativity and want to be in nature and want to go and and really value that and are willing to invest in that, it forms a really strong bond and a really tight community. And I think everyone out there listening, it's like you own this niche. These are your people. And there's Squam people and there's not Squam people. And I think everybody out there listening can relate to that. You know, that like your people for your business, you've got people to fit and don't. And you can't please everyone because then you'll please no one. Oh, gosh, no. Well, there's I mean, here's the thing. There are people in my own family. Like, you know, I have two brothers and two sisters in a very extended family. They would have no interest in this. I mean, half the time, they're like, yeah, you're still doing that that crap thing, you know? So I have no problem. There's lots of things I wouldn't want to go to. If you're having an event in a conference center, you know, in the middle of a convention hall, I probably won't be there. You know, carpeting and, and fake lighting makes my skin crawl. So it's everybody has their place where they blossom. And that's great. And I do want to put up a caveat here when you said there are people who are squam and not squam. The one thing I have worked really hard on and the thing that I do take a measure of um, satisfaction in is when you have groups of women coming together. And although there are always men, they're in the minority and it's generally women who come to squam. Clicks can develop, not through any malevolence, but they can, you know. And so I have worked so hard to make it incredibly inclusive and to prevent any energies of exclusivity. Anyone who's interested in this is welcomed. And what I see, and maybe you can speak to this, I mean, you've attended, although you've come with your mom, so that maybe that changes it. And you're from New Hampshire, so it doesn't feel like a foreign country. When people arrive, most people travel on their own. And yet what I hear over and over is how welcome, how connected, how easy it is, because the people who are also there are people that they have so much in common with. Mm -hmm. And it's that, it's that I think when you're referring to community that I feel has happened and was definitely the original goal because living in New Hampshire, I felt just so isolated. And when I went to art fest, I connected with people that really got me. And so that's what I wanted to create. And I think that's what's happened is people come to Squam and they make tremendous friendships, just tremendous friendships, connections on the personal level. But I mean, since this is more of a business podcast, I can say over 10 books deals have come out of Squam and people's businesses have been launched at Squam. And in terms of like, oh, I met this editor or I met this person or I met this gallery owner or I met this website person. And so it's just, although it's a, we really, really don't do any, like it's not like an alt summit where you're changing business cards and stuff like that. That's not the environment. It happens incredibly organically. And that's kind of exciting. Well, I think that's what I meant when I said, you know, there's people that fit with Squam and don't. It's like basically what you said, like if there was this big event at a hotel or like in a conference center, you wouldn't go because you wouldn't be drawn to it. But when you have whatever you're creating, when you've created this experience, certain people are drawn to that. And then they all have something in common, even if you Mm -hmm. wouldn't think you would, just because you're all attracted to that. Is that something you consciously tried to create when you were starting? Or do you feel like that just evolved organically? 
Yeah, I had very little consciousness. This was really something that moved through me. And I know that sounds woo-woo, but I just responded to a call myself. And every it was sort of like we were touching on doors and they're popping open like that. Like I just was like, oh, what if I do this? Oh, what if I do that? And it there wasn't any conscious intention except I just had this thing driving me of like, there's got to be one other woman who felt as isolated and disconnected from her creativity as I did. And I want her to have a space where she doesn't, she can immerse herself in it and not think about cooking, cleaning, driving the kids to soccer. All that stuff can just fall away for five days and she can just wake up and whatever it is that is her medium, whether it's stitching or dyeing or painting or drawing or photography or cooking, like whatever it is that rocks her world, writing, you know, I want her to just be able to immerse herself in that because art retreats are, you know, they're for like, quote unquote, they're for artists, right? And they're residencies and you have to go to art school and and it's this whole other concept. And so for me, Squam is for people who might have very busy lives in all sorts of directions and may not be professional artists, but would love the opportunity to sink into that immersive creative space. I don't know if I answered your question, yeah. but I have to tell you, most of it was very much intuitive, in all honesty. It was a very much, I feel like the universe kind of, in the early years when I kept saying, I can't do this anymore, I can't do this anymore, and I looked to sell it, I did, I looked to have hand it off to someone else. I had to come to terms with, I have a very peculiar background. I've done a number of different things. And it's that particular combination of strange jobs that I've held that come together and are perfect for Squam. And when I look to hand it off, I realized it's like, oh, well, I could get those two to do this piece. And then I could get that person to do this piece. But I couldn't find one person to do the whole thing. And so that's when I kind of, that was like year three, maybe year four. And I was like, oh, okay. Like I'm supposed to be doing this. I'm supposed to be doing this. And so I've sort of been, it's been a journey for me too. It's forced me to deal with all, it's like a soul growth thing for me running Squam, definitely. It reminds me when you were talking about that, it reminds me of Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic. I don't Mm. know if you've read that, but she... I haven't, but tell me. Oh, right. And in part of it, she says that there's these ideas and it's like they're... This is a bit woo-woo, everyone, but it's like they're floating around the world, these ideas. And if an idea gets its eyes set on you, it comes to you and it wants to be born through you. And there's not really anything you can do about it. You're just compelled to do that thing. And if you don't take advantage of it, it moves on to find somebody else to bring it into reality. Mm. And when you said that, like how you kept, you know, your rational mind kept thinking, I can't do this anymore. I just need to stop this and pass it off. And it was like that idea just had taken hold of you, you know? Yeah. And And sometimes that just happens. And I think, you know, we can't, sometimes we get so hung up on trying to plan what our future is going to be like and what our perfect business is going to be like. But actually we don't always have that. We don't have that kind of control. It just happens in some ways. Oh, I so agree with you. I'll have to read that book. It sounds sounds really good. You would love it. Um, And just so you know, I live at woo-woo. I am woo-woo.com. I am so, (laughs) because I've lived it. I welcome the powers to work through me. It's real. And when people talk about magic, they can call it whatever they want, but I live it. And so I am all woo-woo all the time. What I will say is, I think your point is right on the mark. And there's a quote, I hope I don't butcher it, from Joseph Campbell, who says, you have to let go of the life you've dreamed of to have the life that's waiting for you. Something like that. I can email it to you. I can go Mm, find it. mm -hmm. But the concept is, and this was really true for me, in those early years, my struggle was, wait, no, 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 I'm a writer. I'm a teacher. I'm not an event coordinator. 
I, and it took everything for me to put these on. People are like, oh, so what do you do the rest of the time? I'm like, um, hello, <laughs> have you ever, oh, I just sit on the couch and eat chocolates, you know, but if you've <laughs> ever planned a big event, like, an, and most people have had maybe a wedding or something, imagine doing four of those in four days and three or four times a year, you know, it's busy. It's a lot. And it's very administrative. And there was a very much of a struggle for me because then I wasn't painting and I wasn't writing and that's how I defined myself and that's who I thought I was. And so I was like, well, this can't be my life because I'm not a business person. I don't want to be in business. And yet clearly that was what the universe wanted me to be doing. And now I'm coming full circle. I am back to writing. I am back to painting, but it, it took a lot to bring. And, and, you know, I'm not even going to use this analogy, but I want, I am going to use this analogy, but I hate using this analogy. I just want to say up front, I hate using this analogy, but imagine if you have a, a newborn and the newborn takes over your whole life. And then all of a sudden they're in kindergarten and you start getting your life back. That's what it feels like to me. Like this sort of blew in and landed on my doorstep and I loved it and I hated it. And I loved it. I loved it more than I hated it. But eventually it just, it grew up and it, it got its own feet. It didn't need me so much anymore. And that's kind of where I'm at with it. Does that sound really lame? Do you want to start this recording? No, <laughs> no I love it. And I think, you know, it always, at least I found myself as I'm very, I'm like a very motivated, driven person. And I guess I'm impatient. I didn't realize, but I always thought everything mm. should just be happening faster. And, oh. and and I think you're right in that, like, it takes a while for our businesses or our whatever it is, this project we're bringing into the world to find its own two feet and to get to the point where you don't need to be babying it all the time anymore. And and that can take longer than we want to let it take sometimes, but it will get there. Absolutely. And also we can slow down the process with impatience, which no offense, I love you dearly because it's true for all of us, but that's ego. And mm -hmm. so it's like, I want it to be here. I want to be on the New York Times bestseller list. I want to be, you know, on Oprah, whatever it is you're driving your business toward. If you're pushing it in that way, it can't grow in the way it's supposed to grow. And so it's really important. And I do think that comes with wisdom of, like you were saying, it's just sort of relaxing, trusting, trusting and following the prompts. And it can be so surprising in the delights and the ways that things can come to you when you least expected it. and. If I had one adage from these past nine years of these nine years feel like Microsoft years, just so you know, like, like dog years, <laughs> multiply by seven. But I would say, keep your integrity, take the high road, especially when you're dealing with lots of people from different situations. Like we said earlier, you cannot please everyone and not everyone is operating at the same place that you are. And sometimes if we are driven, we can get pulled by the shiny you know, I always call my Pinocchio story, like come down this alleyway for the candy, you know, um, <laughs> don't do that. Stay the course. Even when you feel like you're cutting your nose off and you're like, wait a second, they're having all this success out there. Just stay the course. If you stay true to yourself, you will end up with the view that you want. You will. And I know that sounds really hokey, but that's the only thing that's important if you're running your own business is stay true to your own authenticity. Do not do something for the wrong reasons ever. That will keep you strong. That will keep you on, on track. Yeah. that No, I think that's really important what you just said. I'm curious, how do you personally do that? Like stay, stop from getting distracted and just like, how do you recognize when, yes, this is something I should be doing and everything else is just noise? 
Yeah. Okay. So there's two pieces to it. And one, this isn't probably particularly helpful, but genetically, I am not driven. And I know this because I was talking, I was interviewed by Jen Loudon. I don't know if you know her. Jen Loudon is a writer and she does all kinds of creative workshops. Anyway, she interviewed me for something. And I can't remember how it came up, but it was a little bit embarrassing because it was just sort of like, oh, I just, I'm not a driven personality. I'm very much a, I make my my scene and I draw things to me. You know what I mean? It's sort of like I had this image of just dancing on stage way back in the far corner, but dancing with my whole heart out. You know, I don't need to be center stage. It's sort of like, if you build it, they will come. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't put my power outside. I keep it very strong then, if that makes sense. But that's just my, that's just how I'm predisposed. I'm not driven. I really am not driven, which is not necessarily a good thing. Certainly not American, but there you have it. The second piece is I have a means of discerning that is rock solid. And it is, and it's actually the motto. If you go to the website, we have a little poster and it's, if it's not a yes, it's a no. And the way I use that, and I use it all day, every day, 24 seven, I use it in every circumstance is that a yes feels yes. There's no questioning a yes. When it's a yes, it comes right up from your gut and it's clear. If it's, uh, oh, I should buy that. It's 20% off. It's not the right color, but it's a good brand. You know, like if you start talking yourself into any decision, it's a no. Because if it's not a yes, it's a no. And that helps me enormously. And so when you say not by distraction, again, it's just my personality. I just don't get dazzled by what people are doing. I can really enjoy what people are doing and be excited by people, what people are doing, but I don't feel like I need to go do it or join them or I'm not explaining myself right. But I just sort of feel like if you get dazzled by something and you think, oh, that person over there, they're doing something really cool and that would benefit my business and I want to work with them. And you tap in and you're like, should I go talk to them at this cocktail party? And, it, and it's an absolute yes, then go talk to them. Could be great. But if you're doing it for reasons that you set your whole stomach into churning and your heart beating and you're full of anxiety, well, that's a no, right? Like that's like, it's not, it's not a yes. You're going against your own intuition, which is this just doesn't feel right. So I guess that it comes down to that. If you practice your intuition, you know what feels right. And I would say there's lots of us that get distanced from our intuition through living in this very, very busy world where things are thrown at us all the time and we don't take time to think and clarify. And again, my lifestyle is such, you know, I do meditate in the morning. I have what I call my sacred mornings, you know, two, three, four hours every morning. I do get up pretty early are just, there's no technology anywhere near me. It's very meditative, quiet, restorative. And if you have that quiet place within you always can touch on, is this a yes or is this a no? And when I get off track, I can tell you I have gotten off track. And there are a couple times in my life that I do have regrets, but I can tell you what I did. I overrode my own intuition and listened to someone else where they were like, oh, you should totally do this. You should totally work with them. You should totally do this. And I was like, oh, I'm not feeling it. And like, no, 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 you should. This is a good business decision, Elizabeth. And I was like, oh, and I did it. And Amanda, it wasn't. And I regret it. And so, you know, sometimes you do have to learn yourself, like what happens when you don't listen to your intuition. So Mm -hmm. that's part of it too. 
I wonder, would you share with us some of your morning routine or kind of what your, yeah, what your days look like, but especially <laughs> the morning routine. Is everybody curling up and ready to go to bed? Cause this will bore you. Really? <laughs> you will be so bored. You'll be like, Amanda, please never again. <laughs> but I'll tell you, this is, this began back when I was corporate. I was working this corporate job for seven years, engineering manufacturing firm, and it really was causing the massive depression that launched Squam. I was totally unhappy. But what I had was I'd get up really early and by early, I get up at like five or five 30 and I would take my dogs out for a walk. And then, which I love, I love to be outdoors. I love walking my dogs. It's just something that makes me intensely happy. I'd come back in I'd have a big cup of coffee. I'd sit down. My dogs would be tired. They'd be at my feet. And for 30 minutes I had, I could journal, I could listen to music, I could read. And then I had to go to work. And those 30 minutes were what got me through because everything else in the day was not making me happy. And so I remember talking to someone, I said, oh, my sacred mornings. And she's like, well, why don't you have sacred morning energy all through the day? I'm like, oh, that's not going to happen. I'm at the office, la, la, la. But I tried it and I, and I wrote down sacred morning energy and I put it on my desk. And it was really interesting. Over the years, I kept finding ways to make pockets of that same vibration. And then those pockets got larger and then they sort of started linking. So there was like longer expanses of those, of those times until right now, my whole life is sacred mornings from the time I get up to the time I go to bed. It's just one long, happy flow. And so my morning, I would say I get up, I come downstairs, put on some coffee or hot tea, but mostly coffee, take my dogs out and come back in. I settle. So I'll, you know, I'll, I do a lot of reading and like, you know, yoga, yoga texts, Bhagavad Gita, which I probably can't even pronounce, um, the Spandakarika, poetry, you know, John O'Donoghue, Mary Oliver. So I read, um, I journal, which clarifies my brain and is a way of like, you know, I just sort of see it as like dumping everything out and getting really clear. And then we'll get up, the dogs by that point will start annoying me and be like ready for their walk. We'll go out for like an hour and a half, maybe to the, I live in Rhode Island, so I can go to the beach or we can go to um, the woods or sometimes I just walk around the neighborhood for about an hour and a half. We come back, um, I make some breakfast and I settle into um, stuff for Squam generally, you know, by 10, 1030 in the morning. I've been thinking a lot about morning routines and morning rituals. It's something I've played with myself and I have one on and off. It's kind of evolved depending on what's going on in my life. Mm -hmm. And I think, especially when you're transitioning out of a corporate job or transitioning into working for yourself, I think it's like you assume maybe there's going to be some flash and suddenly your life's going to be the way you want it to be. Oh, but great. actually, oh, like you, you have to create it. You have to say, I'm going to, I want my life to feel more spacious, to have oh, that sacred God. morning energy. And then you just have to take it. Even that first couple of years when Squam was crazy, or even mm -hmm. when you have a thousand things to do, or you, you, you have to claim that for yourself. And I think that's why I wanted to hear what you do, because I think wow. it gives us all ideas on how we can create that too. Wow. You nailed it. Because right now I would say my life is just truly, genuinely blissful. And it suits me. It's a life that I've created that fits me. It might, you know, someone else would walk in and be like, I hate this life. Well, it's not for you. Right. So, but for me, it's off the charts, my dream, dream, dream life. However, what you said is so absolutely true. It did not drop out of the sky whole. 
it began, like I said, those 30 minutes in the morning with my tea and just holding the intention of, I wanted more spaciousness. I wanted more light. I wanted more time, basically freedom. I wanted time. I wanted the freedom to do my day the way I wanted to do it. It's not that I don't work hard. And, you know, when I say I'm not driven, I might not be driven, but I'm just, I'm very passionate. And so I work very hard on things that hold my passion. And so this living well and having a life that makes me happy is something that I wanted. Like this was a goal in my life. You know, some people want whatever you want in your life. My life, my goal was my life. My goal was I wanted a life where I was happy to wake up and loved going to bed. You know, I just loved the whole day. And that's what I have now. And what's interesting is I'm now taking it to the next level. Like I mentioned a few minutes ago, the squam kind of took over my life. It was my entire life. You would never want me at a dinner party. I'd bore you out of your mind because all I talk about is squam because it's all I do, right? So it's like, well, well, a lot. I needed more dimension and back to creative pursuits that were my creative pursuits. And so right now I began carving out writing time on Wednesdays, nine to 12. There's a woman down the street who also likes to write. She comes over and we just write for, we, you know, totally in our own zones, nine to 12. She puts her hat on, she leaves. I'm like, Hey, that was great. So that has been going on and now I'm going to add to it. So I'm going to start taking my squam hours and say, okay, if you need me, these are my squam hours. And then start building in time. This is time for me to be writing or painting. And I've never done that before. And that's coming into being. So you can constantly keep dialing in your life because you also change and people come and go in your life, depending if you have kids or no kids or spouses or no spouses or friends, whoever's coming in and out of your life. Relationships take a lot of time too. So yeah, I just, I I can't emphasize enough how right you are that if you're not completely thrilled with where things are, don't get discouraged. Drops in a bucket, fill the bucket. And that's a patience thing. And I know it's not exciting and dramatic and, you know, lose 20 pounds in eight minutes, but drops <laughs> in a bucket, drops in a bucket, fill the bucket. And you, if you just can hold the vision and just keep taking steps and creating space for what you want, you'll just keep getting more of it and you'll just keep getting more of it. And you and I'm an absolute living testament to that. It's mm-hmm. absolutely true. I love that. And let's just kind of, as we're coming to the end of the interview, I'd love to just talk a little bit about creativity. And I think, well, I mean, I love, I just have always been a very creative person, but I think, and I just, you know, love that. It's an important part of my life. But I think as a society, sometimes we don't value that. And so you can feel almost guilty, like, oh, taking this time to make beauty products or paint or go to a museum. Like it just feels, you know, maybe I should be doing something else. Mm -hmm. And so- yeah. What's your experience with that and how you found that it like, Oh, well, you're speaking you. to my core truth. You know, you're speaking to my mission in life. I feel that what we're talking about is an inversion between the masculine and the feminine and the feminine needs to come back into balance. You know, for 2000 years, we've had all this like very intellectual, the mind is separate from the body. We can destroy the earth or do, you know, it's very non-creative and not to say that men are creative or masculine. And this isn't men, by the way, this is masculine, not men. But my point is that creativity is is a feminine principle and we need more of it in the world and the fact that it hasn't been appreciated and it has been dismissed as so much frivolousness, like, you know, oh, what is that you're doing? That's just silly. That's nothing. I come from a planet that totally the opposite. Like the most important thing we can do is be creative. 
and I don't have a lot of value for, and I guess that comes back to that thing when I say I'm not driven, you know, I grew up in a society where it's all about, you know, making a lot of money. And I grew up knowing a lot of people with money who were incredibly unhappy. So that was just never a goal for me. I like money. I like having a lot of money, but I won't do things just for money. You know, like I, I much more value time to be creative and freedom and money generally will follow that anyway. But I know, I know. I feel like I'm just wandering here. I'm so sorry. No, I'm a gosh, writer. I'm not, really, I'm not really a good talker. I'm a much better writer than I am <laughs> talker. But uh, my thoughts don't come through very succinctly. They sort of go wide, scattershot. But what I want to say is I believe that creativity is what this world needs. And that when you're being creative, you really don't have time to shoot anybody and to be, and if you're angry, creativity is a great way to get it out. And if you're sad, creativity is a great way to get it out. And that creativity can save the world. So mm. I feel like, yeah, I could get evangelical about it. I think creativity is incredibly important. And the fact that we live in a society that demeans it isn't, tells you how unhealthy our society is. You know, I was telling you, I saw, I saw that movie, The Big Short you know, which is for anyone who hasn't seen it, you can IMDb it, but it's a movie about the people who just were criminals. They just ruined people's lives with the way they robbed them with these false mortgages. And they made millions and millions of dollars doing it. And it just, I remember being a teacher and being at a cocktail party and someone will be like, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm a teacher. And, and they totally didn't want to talk to me because they were like, oh, well, then your salary is only X. Whereas if I was making $200,000 a year, but I was like a completely evil hedge funder, I would have, oh, you make a lot of money. So therefore you're interesting. And that's been something I've experienced in this country. Maybe it's not true anywhere else. And so I just think it's all reversed, that creativity is what needs to be valued. I I think so much like those people listening, all of us running our own businesses are starting having this dream to start something who have this idea compelling them to bring it out into the world. Like we have a chance to change that in a way because we can take creativity and use it to actually like bring these ideas into being and to Absolutely. nourish ourselves. And, and I have, I know we're, I know we're wrapping up, but I have a great example of where I live. Now, my feelings, my opinions are just that and someone else. It's not like my niece. My niece wants to run her own business and be a billionaire. So, you know, everybody does their own thing. But for me, my hero is someone who actually lives in England. Her name is Julie Arkell. And she is an extraordinary artist. And she creates these paper mache dolls and she knits the hats and she makes the clothing and they rock my world. I actually went to England to take a workshop with her just because she's so amazing. Well, you can't find her online. She has no website. She doesn't Twitter. She doesn't do Facebook. She lives her life thoroughly, fully. Sometimes she offers a few workshops a year and she sells her things mostly at Loop, um, if you know Loop in North London, and is perfectly happy. Do you know what I mean? So for me, that's the end all be all is to have a business that just completely helps me have the life that I want to have. And I think a very important decision for anyone listening or for anyone thinking about growing their businesses, be really clear that your business is lining up with your heart's desire. You know, that it's really, you're very clear about the kind of life that you want because that will inform all your business decisions. Does that make sense? Mm, I love that. Yeah. Thank you. Well, Elizabeth, this has been wonderful talking to you. I feel like it was such a 
like so thought provoking this conversation. So I really, oh my gosh, I really hope it resonated with people. I love it. Can you tell us where people can find you if they want to get in touch or learn more about Squam or come on a retreat? Absolutely. And also to anyone listening that who's crying with boredom, I really do apologize. I'm much better <laughs> writing than talking. Um, you can on Instagram, I'm Squam Love. On Twitter, I think I'm Squam Love. On Facebook, I'm Elizabeth Duvivier. And then Squam Art Workshops is just that, squamartworkshops.com. And you can always email me, Elizabeth at squamartworkshops.com. And I love to hear from people. So reach out, be fun. Awesome. And I'll link all of those up in the show notes so people can come check you out. So thank you so much for being with us Thank today. you. And I'm going to see you in June. Yeah. Mama Sita. Absolutely. So we'll see you then. Okay. Thanks, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me on. That was really just so lovely of you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. As always, you can find everything we talked about in the show notes, which you can find at wellpreneuronline.com. And if you have a blog for your wellness business, but sometimes you're just not sure about what to write or you're just not getting any readers, you feel like you're not getting any traction, definitely hop over and check out my totally free five-day blog challenge. It's a step-by-step little mini challenge that takes you through the process to fill your blog with content that your ideal readers will love and share. And so many Wellpreneurs have gone through it and it's great fun. I'd love for you to check it out too. It's available at wellpreneuronline.com slash challenge. So have a fantastic week. Maybe I will see you in our Facebook group or on Instagram. And I will definitely catch you back here next week with the next episode. 